This is exclusive coverage of CPAC 2023 from Washington, D.C. Brought to you by the Spirit of Virginia. Spiritofvirginia.org. On CVO 1075 and 1260 WCHV. Now, from National Harbor, it's Joe Thomas in the morning. Joe Thomas in the morning, like the man said, you know, Max, uh, our voice guy, when when he was putting those together, I said, Max, just keep repeating the phrase compensating for something uh, when you do that. it's That's the audio version of buying a Harley. And I apologize to anyone who has a Harley, but that's classically, you know, the the, the gag amongst the non-Harley riding uh, community. And uh, I guess it's just haters got to hate. Uh, this morning I say that, uh, and I've got to tell you this story because self-effacement is often what we do here. Uh, so we're getting set up yesterday here at the Gaylord National Harbor on the Potomac because there may be another Gaylord National Harbor somewhere else that would be confused. They've added it to the sign there. We haven't been here in a couple of years um, because CPAC was in Florida. And it's much cooler here today than it was in Florida this time last year. A lot of folks going to be joining us today. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears is on the speaker's uh, dais later this afternoon. We're going to have her tomorrow morning. Uh, Kat Kamick, Congresswoman, uh, kind of kicked it off yesterday uh, with a speech about going from activist grassroots to Congress and how her journey kind of went from attending uh, someplace like this to finally saying enough is enough. I've had those I can stand. I can't stand no more. Steve Allen, Dr. Steve Allen, infectious disease expert from the Conservative Caucus. That's who he works with. But we're going to talk about the Wu flu a little bit later on this morning. But it's with that medical mind that I must tell you this story because it, it, it keeps me in my lane to tell stories like this. So we're walking through the lobby at the Gaylord yesterday. It's 6.30, 7 o'clock. We've been driving for hours. I'm hungry. I just want to get set up. I'm always nervous about the technology and will the technology work? How does it, you know, will we have all the things necessary to be on the air for you? So I'm, I'm a ball of nerves anyway. Wearing a T-shirt espousing a particular uh, governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia's name and... <laughs> So uh, while while uh, walking around, and, and I must have heard seven or eight people saying, I like your T-shirt. So we like the governor, too. We're hoping he's going to join us um, tomorrow morning, Governor Youngkin. And again, thanks to the Spirit of Virginia pack. However, so we're walking through this lobby. I'm tired. I'm carrying like three bags full of computer gear and, and broadcast gear. And I see this wonderfully dapper, tan, white-bearded, fellow walking towards me with a young lady walking with him and all of a sudden it dawned on me i said that's dr robert malone i said i'm pretty sure i've never met him in person i've seen him on plenty of things so i stopped i put a bag down and i stuck my right hand out and i said dr malone i'm joe thomas from wchv radio in charlottesville it's an honor to meet you i've been trying to book you on my show for for months and months and months and he's looking at me very tolerantly and saying hi nice to see you nice to see you uh and uh, nice to meet you and his uh, booking 
person, Jill, says, oh, you should have been in contact with me. You were, you were talking to the uh, wrong person. I apparently was talking to the book publicist that um, that I should have been talking to instead of uh, his actual uh, booking. So I'm, I'm hopeful that Dr. Malone will be able to join us and talk about all of the things we've been learning about the Wu flu uh, the last couple of days and weeks now. All the things that used to get us banned from social media are apparently uh, now reports by the Department of Energy. And you know, at, at some point, we, we have to start having accountability. We have to start telling people, okay, here's what happened and who's responsible. And the problem is nobody's going to go there because we're responsible. Even if you take the idea that it got out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology as an accident, once it was out, and Dr. Clark and I were talking about this yesterday, and, and being this babbling idiot in the lobby of the Gaylords, Dr. Malone, Dr. Malone, my God, it's Dr. Malone. Can you sign my shoulder, Dr. Malone? No, yeah. no, I wasn't that bad, but I, fe I felt like it. As I was walking away, I was like, I am like a fangirl at a con or something. Oh, my God, it's the voice of Naratu. Was it... Wasn't Katsu Khan here like two weeks ago? Yeah, my daughter was here. I don't think she was that person either. She's much cooler than I am. Oh my gosh, it's Dr. Malone's side my shoulder where, where I would get, but I haven't gotten the vaccination there. So hopefully he looks past my babbling in unprofessionalism and uh, will sit down and join us for a little while and talk about this woo flu. But as we were talking about yesterday, even if you will go with the mundane that it wasn't intentionally released from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, because apparently they do an awful lot of gain-of-function research there. That's why when Barack Obama said, hey, Tony, I, I need to tell the American people we're stopping this gain-of-function research. Even though when Barack Obama made that statement, most of us didn't even know what that was. He said, hey, Tony. Hey, Tony, I'm going to make this announcement. Where can we get this gain-of-function research done? And Tony, take the cannolis and, uh, and the vaccination. Fauci said, oh, I got a couple of places in Ukraine and uh, this place in the Wuhan area of China. Oh, uh, great. Great, Tony, you uh, get that done. I'm going to go uh, make a press statement. Biden isn't around, is he? And... We're watching as the president is claiming that this is war powers. So he has war powers to forgive your student loan. So are you saying this was combat? And as we said yesterday, once it was out, China told people in the Wuhan region, you can't travel to Beijing, but go to Italy, go see Rome, go to the United States, travel, get out of the Wuhan province, just nowhere else in China. But if the president is conferring this HEROES Act on student loans, then he must believe that what we were in was a war and we are all tantamount to soldiers in it, right? 
It's like your radio is wearing a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. Let's Go Brandon, I agree. Seville 1075 and 1260 WCHV. Joe Thomas in the morning here at CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference. And I don't know if he ever thought he'd be here. He is perhaps the most well-known mRNA scientist and Madison County doctor out there. He is Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, Dr. Malone, thank you so much for, A, not holding my babbling greeting against me uh, when I asked you to be on the show. How are you doing, sir? Good, Joe. It's good to be here. Thanks. Did you ever imagine that what you did, your work, would turn into such a political maelstrom? No, there's no way that I could have foreseen that in 1989. Uh, I did uh, think that this was an advance that could help humanity. Unfortunately, it's all been weaponized and distorted, and uh, there's been a willingness to bypass norms that has resulted in a situation where we have such a global tragedy now. But, uh, you know, once you let an idea loose, you can't control where it goes. Well, and and that, I guess, is Pandora's box old legacy, but your scientific breakthrough, if I remember it correctly, from the early 90s was designed to help chemotherapy patients and target cancer cells more directly than it was to create a vaccination that isn't even a vaccination. Well, that's, that's, not, that's a story that's circulating. Uh, that was not the focus. I was trying to ask questions about how retroviruses get assembled in order to advance the technology for gene therapy for children that had a genetic disease like cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy. And uh, I became aware that gene therapy really wasn't practical because the immune system of these children would attack the good gene, the good protein. They don't recognize that people's immune system doesn't recognize, don't, it doesn't recognize whether the protein is good or bad, it just recognizes whether it's different. And so the field that I had hoped to spend my entire life in, suddenly I became aware that it was completely not viable. It made no sense. It wasn't going to work. And I had this discovery, this series of discoveries about using RNA as a drug. And the question was, what was it going to be good for? Because it really wasn't good enough for gene therapy purposes, for correcting uh, metabolic disease of children. Uh, And so the insight was, well, it probably could be good enough for mounting an immune response. And so that's how this all came to pass. So... The, the discussion about using the mRNA, and mRNA technology to create these COVID shots seemed to be, at the very onset, well, it's the fastest way to answer these questions. In your experience, Dr. Mullen, is that ever a good way to approach a scientific pursuit? Well, it's the fastest way we can do something, so does it usually turn out well? Well, that's a leading question. The, there is no question that we need to have technology that would allow us to respond to a legitimate public health threat much more efficiently. And the idea here, um, back to my work in the late 80s, is to go straight from the genetic sequence of a pathogen to a potential countermeasure, medical countermeasure like a vaccine or an antibody. Okay, So to be able to go straight from the gene sequence to a product that would help people is potentially an opportunity to cut short part of the developmental timeline, but that does not in any way excuse cutting short the safety testing and uh, fundamental characterization that must be done to ensure that you have a safe and effective product. And unfortunately, that's what's happened is everybody got so caught up in the moment 
so caught up in the fear that they bypass the normal processes for ensuring that any medical product is safe and effective. All medical products have toxicity. All medical products are a poison when administered at a sufficiently high level. And this is fundamental. This has been known for literally centuries. Paracelsius spoke about this. Okay? And so in the rush and in the fear, our government pushed a product and a technology that was not ready for prime time and was able to push it on the entire global population and the United States population through the weaponization of a whole other technology that's called fifth generation warfare or military-grade psyops, technology that was developed for countering al-Qaeda and uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan. And they deployed that technology on the American populace, which is why so many people have basically become hypnotized by the psyops. This is military-grade psyops technology, which is really an advancement on cutting-edge marketing technology. But it's deployed on all of us. Isn't that, you know, in a country like the United States, that you have to get somebody to want to get a shot that, you know, hasn't been proven, so you have to say over and over it's safe and effective, and eventually people just start saying, oh, it must be safe and effective, right? Yeah, a lie repeated often enough is accepted as truth, particularly if it's repeated by corporate media and reinforced through censorship through social media. That's, that's what's happened here, and uh, to make the point... If we had, and I'm not saying in any way this is going to be happening, okay? Marburg, for instance, is not transmitted through aerosol routes. But let's imagine for the sake of argument that there was an aerosolized Ebola. Ebola is an ugly disease. It kills ugly. It kills fast. Um, if we ha had something like an aerosolized Ebola spreading through the world, there would be over a billion people dead by now. And people would have been willing to accept a, a, a relatively ineffective and relatively unsafe jab in, as, as something that might mitigate their risk of Ebola. But this is not aerosolized Ebola. This is not even the, the um, Spanish flu. The, the mortality rate here, even without adjusting for population, in terms of total death uh, from this particular virus, SARS-CoV-2, is about one-fortieth of the deaths that occurred in 1918 and thereabouts from the Spanish flu. This has not been a major pathogen. Even Mr. Gates acknowledges that. Much of what's happened here is medical mismanagement through treatment protocols that were toxic and failure to provide early treatment. Yeah, it was, that was where I wanted to go. I talked frequently with some of the folks in the frontline COVID-19 critical care alliance and some of the folks who are working on trying to find treatments for a disease with readily available pharmacopoeia. Dr. Malone, last question for you. How much has it cost us in time wasted and medical knowledge wasted in you know, denying people the opportunity to experiment with treatments rather than just rushing to the idea of a, of a vaccination, even if the government's definition is different than what the American people think a vaccine means. So I don't know how to characterize that in terms of time wasted, but in terms of unnecessary lives lost, there are multiple ep ep estimates that suggest that this is in the range of many hundreds of thousands to potentially millions of lives that were avoidable um, the lives lost by blocking early treatment. I was just testifying in the Senate in Mexico, in Mexico City two days ago,
in which I pointed out that the Mexican government, in contrast to the U.S. and many European governments in Canada and New Zealand and Australia, took a very much more permissive position, allowed ivermectin to be distributed like it now is in Tennessee, and uh, they still had significant death and mortality because they have a population that has these pro-inflammatory conditions like obesity and diabetes. But it could have been much worse for them, uh, and they took a position that was much more progressive and appropriate. If our government had not suppressed early treatment, there are at least hundreds of thousands of people who would still be alive today. And we haven't even begun to understand the long-term mortality and morbidity associated with these vaccines. It's coming out in the actuarial tables from the insurance industry, and people like my friend Ed Dowd are busy cataloging that. And the data continue to be even more and more alarming as each month goes by. We were reporting yesterday morning Montana has a bill in their legislature that would ban vaccinated blood from blood donations. I mean, is that an overreaction too? I don't think so. I think that it, it, there is merit to uh, consideration and technically it is quite feasible to assess whether or not the blood supply is contaminated using the same kind of approaches that we used with AIDS. This is another case where the um, blood bank industry has been very hesitant to uh, respond to the implications of this public health situation and uh, it really has failed to protect um, not just the American public but the world public and this is again a consequence of all of this propaganda and censorship that's going on. This has got to stop. People have got to get back to the fundamentals of science and medicine and stop uh, this worshipping of scientism and worshipping of corporate media pronouncements that are based on nothing, that are based just on government edicts and, and propaganda. This has got to stop. That is, that is my favorite, least favorite word I've ever heard. When you coined the phrase scientism, I said, that's it. That's everything we're undergoing here. Dr. Malone, thank you so much for your time. I understand, I, and maybe it's scuttlebutt, you were working with Salem Media to do a podcast that's being distributed or something along those lines. I, have, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. I'm certainly uh, anticipating development of my own podcast and hopefully starting to deploy it in the next month. I just have, uh, I have inside sources that tell me things. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, many, many different media outlets uh, would like to work with me, and I'm very grateful for that. And, I can understand why. Yeah, and I, I do what I can to support all of them. Well, thank you so much for your visit, sir, and I really appreciate it. And, and for what you've done speaking out about this as well. Enjoy the remainder of CPAC. Thank you so much, and, and thanks for standing tall uh, for Charlottesville. I know it's not easy. You know, knowing that you're right up the road in Madison keeps me sane. Okay, thank you.